from the New York City area, welcome to the Badass Counseling Show, where the master badass himself, Sven Erlinson, takes you deep and gives balm for the soul, baby. All right, you are with us for another episode of the Badass Counseling Show, and we welcome you. It's great to have you here. I am Sven Erlinson, your host, and with me today are on technical and all things extremely intelligent, Rob. At your service, my friend, as always. Thank you, Rob. Great to have you here. And back in the booth, I've got KC doing her thing, silent as usual, but there in presence. We've got a really great show for you today. We've got a guest that I had put out feelers for uh, episodes and so forth, and I usually give a heads up to audiences and people can write into the show if I'm doing a show on family or I'm doing a show on uh, abuse or if I'm doing a show on what have you. And uh, and then occasionally we'll get a guest who it's about all ep- all sorts of topics rolled into one. And uh, Bella, our guest today, is that. There's a lot going on here. And uh, just uh, a wonderful soul, but wrestling with a lot of stuff in life. And so we're going to dive in deep. But before I uh, bring uh, Bella into studio, I'm going to ask Rob to just give us uh, the par- few paragraph background on Bella uh, that she told us. Yes, here's what Bella wrote to us. Hello, my name is Bella. Being raised by a narcissist mother and an alcoholic father set the ground for a life of mediocrity, anxiety, and trauma. Screaming became my love language. We were taught at a young age that affection came with a reward system, and we were dressed to be people pleasers. I learned early in my childhood that I was seen as a belonging and not a person. I was never given the opportunity to be understood, heard, or allowed to express my feelings. Suck it up was a common expression in the house. Coming from a deeply rooted ethnic home, my mother was a narcissist and my father an alcoholic, and they both craved a familial bond with their parents but never got love and took on the role of parents to us, not knowing that it would be catastrophic, raising kids of their own, as there was never healing. My mom did everything in her power to control us and to feel safe, and we were her prize. Verbal abuse became the love language of my mother and father. Looking back from what I can remember, there was so much lack of love and physical touch. This set the perfect opportunity for predators in our family to sexually abuse me. Knowing I had no voice or support, I never spoke up, and when I finally did, the support wasn't there, and the shame took over. Now in my adult life, my childhood directed my choice of relationships. I married an alcoholic man who was a wonderful, troubled human, and we both tried so hard. And among all the chaos, I gave birth to two beautiful children. But after years of dealing with abuse, alcohol, and my own self-destructiveness, I ended the relationship. Although I loved my husband, I knew I needed to do better. And then the worst happened. He became ill and passed away four years ago. Just when I thought I couldn't deal with more, his passing took a complete toll on my mental health. I used what I knew to cope. Partying, sex, and alcohol all became a source of escape. Then I met another man who came with a picture-perfect painted story. Now I am currently in a relationship going on three years with a man who I believe through his actions uses gaslighting as a way to trigger me and has no physical or emotional connection. We never have a healthy conversation without him yelling at me. When he is upset, he withholds and uses a reward system as a way to satisfy his ego. Although I have attempted to mitigate the situation and find a solution for healing for both of us, he refuses and paints me out as a broken, damaged, weakened individual who needs to fix her problems. And in his eyes, everything was perfect until I and my children came along. Through recent research, I have discovered that he has several failed relationships due to the same circumstances. To sum it up, I am ready to change the course of my journey and take action to allow myself and my children to find true healing and happiness. Bella, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me, Bella, what did it feel like to write that uh, long paragraph to us and to hear Rob read it? Oh, my heart is beating. I'm having anxiety just because I know that I went through all that. And hearing Rob read that, it's almost like, wow, I can't believe that that, that is my life. And that was my life growing up. It's, it's hard to hear. 
It's very hard. I, I can't even imagine what it was like uh, to hear it, to write it, to hear it, but to go through it especially. I want to open with a question, Bella. Um, it's an odd question. It's a, what I call a Sven question. It seems to make no fucking sense whatsoever. And I, and I know you're going to be thinking, this guy's an idiot. Why did I come on this? <laughs> um, but indulge me, if you will. When I was a kid, my siblings had Sven questions, and they were just strange. Um <clears throat> And uh, the question is this. Okay, you have children. And uh, how old is your oldest? Just out of curiosity. Um, he is 10 and he has special needs. So it's more like he's five or six. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Um, but uh, let's say that, okay, so you've been going to uh, different programs with your 10-year-old. And uh, you go to some of the programs or school stuff. And you get to know the other parents. And you see other parents. You see other kids that are sort of involved with your child. And uh, you... Notice other kids, other parents, and how they parent their kid, right? And, uh, you know, we all do that. It's like when you're at the gym, you watch other people work out. We watch other people parent. It's normal. My question is this. What, in your opinion, and there's no right or wrong answer. Every single person answers this question differently. So there's no right or wrong answer. I just want your honest to God truth. And the question is this. For you personally, uh, as you think about parenting and other parents and so forth, what percent does someone have to be a good parent in order for you to consider them overall a good parent? In other words, no parent is a good parent 100% of the time. We all fuck up. We all make mistakes, right? Okay. So for you personally, recognize that we all make mistakes. What percent does someone have to be a good parent in order for you to generally consider them a good parent? I mean, I believe that there is no perfect parent, so I'm not going to say 100%. I want to go with anywhere between 75 to 80%. That's fair. Would be a... Mm-hmm. That's fair. 75 to 80%. Okay. So just out of curiosity then, Bella, um, for you personally, totally, uh, totally different question. And that is somewhat related, but totally different. Just out of curiosity, we heard the story of the home that you grew up in and then your first marriage and now this relationship that you've been in with... Uh, this particular gentleman. So we heard sort of three phases to your life and the childhood story, that's pretty loaded, pretty loaded. I'm just curious for you personally, what percent, and again, another Sven question, strange question, what percent was your dad a good parent and what percent was your dad a bad parent? I want to say like 25, 30%. I think that my dad, even though he's an alcoholic, he has a good heart and he's always tried to do the best, but, you know, he would abuse us and then he'd try to make up for it. And so I, it would leave me very confused as a child because here he, here's this man that is my father that just beat me or hit me or cussed at me and then wants to buy me an ice cream. And so it left me very confused as a kid. And so the percent that he was a good parent, you said, is what percent and what percent is he bad? I want to say like 70 to 85%. No, like let's say 80. Wait. He was a bad parent. Okay. 80% bad and 20% good. Did I hear you correctly on that? Yes. All right. That's fair. Next question is same thing, but with regard to your mom, what percent was your mom a good parent and what percent was your mom a bad parent? I think 90% a bad parent. So she was even more of a bad parent than your father was? Yes. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. And are your parents still alive today, just out of curiosity? Yes, they both are. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Um, if you had to drill drill down, all right, really collapse it into one uh, sentence, in one sentence or less, what is the single biggest crime that your father committed against you? It could have been a one-time thing or could have been a consistent thing that he did regularly over the course of his parenting of you. What was the what was the real single greatest crime that your father committed against you? I want to say it's the physical abuse. I would get hit the most out of my siblings. Um, you know, he did a lot of emotional abuse as well, but I want to say physical. And what was the effect on you of the physical abuse? I mean, it was painful. It, you know, um, I, I, my parents lacked um, physical touch very much. So I sometimes I just wanted my dad to hug me or even to this day, he's over 65 years old. He still doesn't hug. His hugs are very like, 
there's a big gap in between you. So it makes you feel like there, there's something wrong or, or, oh my gosh. So I just always had this anxiety, like, why is my dad doing this? And, you know, now I, I sort of understand that, you know, alcohol drives people to do really bad things. And, and we can sort of understand things when we're adults or we can say, oh, well, gee, I understand, you know, when, when mom died, dad did his best or gee, you know, dad was an alcoholic. And so mom was raising all of his kids and she had to work three jobs. That's why she was never home and we had to cook her own meals. We can always sort of understand, but that doesn't take away the pain that we experienced as a child. It doesn't take it away. We can contextualize it, but the pain, if we were never allowed to get it out, if it was, there was never any safe space to get it out, then the pain's still in there. No, I'm saying absolutely. Um, we weren't allowed, to, if we cried or if we tried to talk bad, we would get hit more or they would tell us to stop. So there was no way to get it out. It was impossible. And, you know, we had no privacy, like to cry in our room. Um, so. All right. And so you said that because of the physical abuse, uh, it left you feeling that something was wrong. It gave you great anxiety, feeling something's wrong and so forth. And did your brain as a child, and it would be perfectly understandable if it did, and, but maybe it didn't, um, did your brain go to, from uh, something must be wrong to what's wrong with me? Oh, absolutely. I've always um, had trouble with worthiness. Um, even till this day, people could tell me that I'm beautiful or I'm pretty and it, 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 it it's like scratching on a chalkboard for me. It's like, uh, why are you telling me that? And the reason it's like scratching on the chalkboard is what for you? Why does that grate you so much? I don't, I guess because I never heard any kind words growing up. Like my mother and father never said, oh, you know, daughter, we love you. I don't even think I heard the words I love you until I was a full grown married adult. Um, my mother started saying I love you because she was copying my, my, uh, my late husband. So she didn't, I don't know if she ever meant it. She says she does, but it's her actions just show otherwise. Gotcha. And so uh, you've sort of believed ever since you were a kid, basically, that something must be wrong with you. Just out of curiosity, though, if you never heard uh, I love you or compliments, then wouldn't hearing a compliment actually feel good? Yeah, that's what that's But you say it's like somebody scratching on the chalkboard. I think that's in relation to possibly my sexual abuse as a child. I don't know if somehow I link those. Um, but yeah, most people love compliments. And for me, it's very hard to hear them. Is it possible that the, the link uh, to the sexual abuse is that if someone's complimenting you, um, they're wanting something from you or they're about to take something from you. And you actually talk about in the little autobiography you sent to us, you sent, you said affection came with a reward system and that you were uh, trained to be a people pleaser. And, and so if someone's complimenting you, uh, it's almost like, well, what are they wanting from me? Is that possible or does that not quite feel right? That feels right. Yeah, that's correct. I guess, um, Every time someone would say something or someone would get close, the anxiety would kick in as in, oh my God, you know, something's going to happen. Well, of course. And, and when you've grown up in an environment such as that, it only makes sense. You can't fucking trust people. Who the fuck can you trust? Mm -hmm. You know, because you were manipulated, you were used, you were abused, uh, you were never heard or understood or allowed. So it, it must be, that creates a system wherein it must be very difficult to trust anyone and not know what their intentions are. Yeah, growing up, uh, growing up as a kid, um, I was always suicidal. I always wondered, like, why am I alive? Like, what is the point? You know, because I suffered so much as a kid. And, you know, I did wind up going to a mental institute when I was a little bit older. And I remember being there and I felt so confused. Like, why am I here? Like, I feel nothing like these people that are here. And then I understood it was a cry for help. Right. And did you ever get the help? Um, I believe I started therapy, but I had no idea what trauma was. I had no understanding of the trauma that I received, that it was causing me the pain, that this, I, I had no idea how it was all linked and how it all made sense and how, you know, our childhood runs our life. So when I would sit there with the therapist, I, I, I struggled with dissociation. So I would just disconnect immediately. 
Um, and now as I'm getting older, it's, it's making a little bit more sense. Have you gotten better at getting some of your feelings out? Have you created some space, safe space? You said you didn't have it as a child. You couldn't go in your bedroom. Feelings weren't allowed. You'd get hit more. Do you have safe space in your life? And not only that, have you allowed yourself and have you been able to begin to sort of unlock that vault that your feelings were always in? Were you able to, have you been able to begin to let some of that out? I tend to cry in my bathroom. I it's it's kind of interesting. I used to be terrified of the dark, so now I go in the bathroom. I wait till I, either everybody's asleep or you know they're occupied, and then I go in my bathroom. I'll play some music and I'll crawl into like a little ball, and then I try to to cry, you know, to let stuff out. Yeah, because it's gotten to the point that no matter if I try to hold it in, I can't. I've reached like my threshold of withholding stuff. Mm. Okay. So, and that makes sense. You, you found safe space. You create sort of a cocoon around yourself wherein you feel safe. Yeah. And you haven't really gotten that in the world at all. Not from two primary men in your life and certainly not from your home, certainly not from the women uh, in your life as a child and so forth uh, or the men. And so uh, you've had to create that on your own. So I applaud you for what you have done so far. I want to go back to this crime question. What was the single greatest crime your mother committed against you? She could be a very harsh, judgmental person. Um, my mom has always judged me harder than my siblings. Um, like if I'm walking in front of her, she'll make a comment about my body or she always would compare me to people. And so I believe that that was more painful um, more than her beating or her mental abuse. I believe it's it's her like just judging me, just feeling like there's always something wrong with me. She can never just look at me and say, oh, hi, daughter. How are you? There just always has to be something with me. Right. So it's only natural then if that's been going on pretty much your whole life, that the message that gets pressed into the wet cement of that little Bella's soul when you were a child, the, one of the messages that got pressed in is you're not good enough. You're, you were never good enough. You were always being judged. You were always being criticized, probably to this day, always. And so the message that child gets is, I'm not good enough. And that was clearly the message uh, you mentioned that uh, you got from your father as well, that something must be wrong with me. I mean, it's in, in a, that a child's mind does that is actually kind of logical. It makes sense <laughs> if they're being criticized. Of course, as adults, I don't know about you, but I know with me, if I get criticized, it's just like, you know, I start thinking, oh, fuck, what's wrong with me? Or why don't, you know, people like me or, you know, whatever it might be. It's a very normal human thing. Um, and so mom was harsh and judgmental and dad uh, physically abusive. I, I want to ask you a strange question and maybe there's no answer and, uh, or maybe there is an answer. Uh, it's an honest question. So if it's none of my fucking business, you can tell me to go fuck myself, all right? But the question is this. You said you were physically abused. You were uh, by your father, physically abused and emotionally abused. And by your mother, you were uh, very clearly verbally abused, harsh and judgmental. Which is worse for you personally, the physical abuse or the emotional and verbal abuse? I think the emotional, I feel like the emotional, I feel like physical abuse, it's like one and done, you know, mm -hmm. like it hits you. But then your body can, you know, some, our bodies are very powerful. They, they heal quickly, but I feel like emotional abuse stays longer. And I feel like it has just stayed my whole life up until now. Um, so yeah, I think emotional abuse and, and the thing about them, they'll tell you that that's how they talk, but they can't have a conversation without yelling. So, you know, my parents are Hispanic. So instead of them saying, Hey, um, Bella, it will be like, you, you stupid, you dumbass, like, you know, why didn't you do this? Or what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, they're cussing at you constantly. They can't just say, hey, can you do this, please? Or like, hey, it's always they're cussing at you or they're screaming at you. And you're just looking at them like, why are you yelling? But of course, when you're a kid, you can't you can't say that to your parents. You can't tell them, hey, stop yelling at me or you would get hit. You'd get punished. And uh, I have to ask, uh, are you still in contact with your parents? Um, I am learning now about boundaries. And even with boundaries, um, it's still very difficult for them. They have no respect. I'm, I'm learning to, hey, I can see you at this time. I could be here, but then I'm able to leave. But just having them even 20 minutes, five minutes around you, you feel like you're suffocating. 
So I try to see them uh, like very little as possible if I need to, like absolutely need to, then yes. But I have completely tried to just remove myself from them um, because I can see how toxic they are. When we come back, we're going to find out from Bella what the correlation is between that awful past and her awful present. We'll be right back with more Badass Counseling. Don't you hate it when you go home for the holidays and your family members can't stop talking about how lazy the newer generations are? Do you ever feel like you or they would be so much better off if some of that generational shit in your love cups got cleared out so you can actually enjoy yourselves? There's a Hole in My Love Cup is on sale now on Amazon and makes the perfect stocking stuffer or gift around the menorah for those you love but want to just shut the fuck up or for those of you who'd rather spend the holidays at home snuggled up by a fire with a good read. Happy holidays from Badass Counseling. This show provides soul counseling intended to entertain and inform and is not medical advice. Now, back to the badass. And we are back with Bella. Bella, uh, you you said right before the break that your parents uh, were just bad, and they still are, and everything is screaming, and everything is shouting, and everything is cussing, and putting you down, and so forth. And you were saying that you've been implementing boundaries. I have to ask, why are you seeing them at all? For what possible reason? And I'm not scolding. I'm just asking. I, I'm so curious. Why would you spend any time at all with someone, with people who have been abusive of you your entire life? You've got a several decades long pattern of behavior that they're only going to hurt you. Why would you spend any time with them at all? Mm, they, my mother has a way of manipulating you and making you feel guilty. I'm, I'm the middle kid of five kids and uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure being the middle child. Um, and so she just has a way of like, oh, well, your sister needs this or your brother needs this or, oh, you know, you have to be here. And it, there's just this overwhelming feeling like if I don't go, something terrible is going to happen or, oh, my God, you know, people are going to get mad at me. And so I always feel like I'm just letting letting her down or I'm letting people down. And I, I care too much. Well, and but... Uh, mom makes you feel guilty and you said, you know, oh, your sister really, she'll say your sister really needs this. Your brother really needs that. Forgive me for asking, but how is she conveying to you that your sister needs that and brother needs this by text or by phone call or what? If you don't answer her call, she will show up to your house. So she finds a way to, to, to see you or to call you. Um, she'll call me 10, 20, 15, 30 times. Um, you know, you can, She's just a very anxious person, and she finds a way to, to get you to come. Okay, and I, I, I have to be honest with you, Bella, right now. I'm getting pissed off at your mom. She <laughs> is clearly um, running over you, running your life, in control of you, and she has been from the beginning. And you said she has a way of making mm -hmm. you feel guilty. That implies to me that you're still wanting her to not make you feel guilty, right? Yeah. yeah. So you still want something from your mother. She still has something that you want. You either want her approval or you want her to not disapprove. You want to avoid her criticism. So you're in, in any situation, you're wanting approval and or you're trying to avoid, you're afraid of her criticism. And so you're still doing what she wants. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. You just said, she, Sven, you don't understand. She makes me feel guilty, all the pressure and so on and so forth. You still give a shit what she thinks. You still give a shit about the bullshit coming out of her fucking pie hole, even though she's been abusive and critical and hurtful your entire goddamn life. You are keeping in your life an abusive and hurtful person because you're still hoping she'll stop. We keep doing something. We keep wanting something. We keep doing it and it because we want it to stop. You keep kowtowing to her because you want her to stop. I think it's because I can see past her, you know, I can, I can see past the smoke, I guess is the best way to describe it. She grew up in an even horrible, more 
upbringing. She had a worse upbringing than, than I did from what I know, from what I've heard. And I think I see the small child in her and how she needs that love. So you're excusing, so you're excusing her behavior and you're saying, so, and she needs that love. You see through her, you see what happened to her in her childhood. And so she, you, she needs that love. What about what you need? See, you're still prioritizing her feelings over your feelings. You were conditioned as a child to prioritize her feelings. It was all about her. You even said, I was not a person. I was a belonging. She clearly doesn't give two fucks about your feelings. And yet you are still so conditioned to give a shit about her. So you keep responding with love when she keeps bringing assholery. You literally said your mother is 90% a bad parent. And somewhere in you, you keep loving on her, loving on her, loving on her as if you're responsible for her. And over all these decades, she has never met your needs. It has never been about you. And it is reasonable to assume after these many decades that it's never going to be about you. And it's easier to take care of her and worry about her feelings than it is to stand up and say no. And you know what? Uh, and to realize, and this is one of the hard realizations of life for many people who had horrible childhood, and you did. One of the hardest realizations is, I'm never going to get my needs met by this person. And the realization that goes with it is, I've been bending and contorting my entire life trying to win this person's love or at least avoid their approval. I've wasted my whole life trying to win this woman's fucking approval. Not to mention your dad. He's not off the hook. I've spent my whole life bending yeah. and contorting like a fucking gymnast trying to win their fucking approval and it's been decades and I haven't gotten it. At what point do you realize, horrible as it is, Bella, that you are never going to get the approval and you are only going to get criticism literally for the rest of your life if you continue to be in relationship with these two people? Well, I'm, I'm dealing with health issues now and... Um, I'm realizing that a lot of my health issues are related to my childhood trauma. So it's almost like if I don't do something, I could possibly die, you know? Wow. So I don't life in people's hands anymore. Well, I, that, I, unfortunately, sometimes that's what it takes for God or the gods or the universe to speak, that they have to make it so bad before we finally feel it and hear it and listen. I, I sense that I hear tears. Are, are you crying right now? Yeah. Talk to me. What are you feeling? Feel the tears. Let the tears come. What triggered the tears? What are you feeling? I think it was the part where you said that I'm never going to get her approval because, you know, I couldn't, I mean, even, even bad kids get love, but I'm just saying, I feel like, yes, all I ever wanted from my mother is her love and her attention. And I've never gotten that. And I guess I'm still holding on to that, you know? I'm still holding on to that and I try to I try to love her and just hope that one day she's going to look at me and see that you know I'm a good person but no matter what I do it you know it doesn't work for any of my parents so it's hard to hear that it is it is it's one of life's most brutal realizations for people who have had something similar to you is the realization that I'm never going to get the love that I've wanted, just the plain fucking parental love. It's like the most basic necessity in parenting or the, the, the primary directive is give the child shelter and food and water and affection and love and kindness. I mean, that's the basics. And you've never gotten even the basics you didn't get the I love you's until you were an adult and then she was only parroting your husband. It's just like, yeah. yeah. And the realization, I'm never gonna get my needs met. And that in a way, really, I never had a mother to begin with. I, I yeah, I, I always have felt very alone. Very, very alone my whole life. And you mentioned even that when you had been then sexually abused by family members, um, a family member, um, no one, you had no voice, no support. The support wasn't there. And so you took on shame. 
Yeah. So there was no one protecting you. So the, even the basic thing of protecting your child, your mother didn't do that. Your father didn't do that. Yeah. Now, let me ask, just, just for clarity's sake, was it your mother or your father that sexually abused you? It was um, all from my mother's side. It was multiple um, cousins. And the saddest part is that she would still bring those people around. And till this day, she's asking if they can still come to the house. She'll she'll call me and she'll be like, hey, do you think, how are you feeling? Do you think it's okay to bring so-and-so? Because I, I have came out and I've told her what happened. And she's told me to move on that it's in the past. Oh, my fucking God. Okay, so just so I'm fucking clear here. This woman knows that you are sexually abused by these people and invites these people over to the house. So clearly she values her relationship with them more than she gives two fucks about what they did to you. So there is literally zero protection. She literally basically doesn't give a shit about your feelings and you need to get over it are her words, right? She says, I need to be strong. That's what she has told me my whole life. You, you just need to be strong. You think that if I would have been weak, we would, you know, we wouldn't be in this country, you know, because my parents are from Mexico. Um, and she just always tells me all these struggles that she had to go through. And she's like, you know, it's because I'm strong. So you need to be strong. Stop being weak is kind of her advice. And, you know, when I finally told her, which was very difficult for me to finally come out and tell her everything, I was hoping that she would at least just say, you know, I'm sorry for what you went through and, she didn't even say that. Wow. Bella, I'm sorry for what you went through. It's fucking horrible. And the fact that the two people on God's green earth, whose job it was to protect you and to give you love, not only didn't protect you, but they kept the people around and keep bringing them back even after you told them. That's, that is pretty much, if I were to pull 100 people off the street, Bella, and tell them your story and that part there and ask them what their description might be for the parenting, your parents' parenting of you, I think we would in all likelihood hear 100 out of 100 say, it's fucking horseshit parenting. I mean, is it reasonable to assume, Bella, that if your daughter or son came to you and said that they were sexually molested by, let's just say, uh, a teacher, a grocery clerk, or a family member, that you would bend heaven and earth to make sure those people were um, duly punished and that they would never, ever be around your child. Is that safe to say? Absolutely. There, there's, there's no way that I would ever let anybody go near my kids if they ever, you know, assaulted them. Right. And, you know, that I had to go through that to know what a good parent what, what is a good parent, you know, because I will do everything to protect my children. And that's fantastic. Um, in those times when your mom says, oh, I'm going to invite this person over, you cool with that? Um, and then she does invite the cousins over or whatever. Do you go? No, I have learned my boundaries and my boundaries are I, I never have to forgive them and I never have to see. Them. And she gets very upset about that. She's like, what, what about forgiveness? And I said, and, you know. I heard your podcast on forgiveness right before I was going to talk to her, actually. And I said, you know, I don't have to forgive. I don't have to do anything. That's right. Um, and so all of this, so much of this story is about uh, mom having this power over you. Yeah. And the power is driven by the fact that you're still wanting something from her. You're wanting that approval. You're wanting the love. You're wanting her to just give a shit just for one fucking minute. Can you give a shit? And wanting that from your dad as well, or at least wanting them all to stop criticizing. So they have something you want. And if they have something you want, that means they have power over you. If I'm holding up a $20 bill above my head really high and you're trying to jump up and grab it and grab it, I have something you want. And I'm creating, you know, pain for you or misery for you because I'm not giving it to you. And I'm saying, ha ha, you can't have the $20 bill. Well, your mom and your father, your family has stuff, something you want. And that's love and that's caring. And that's kindness, or at least to shut the fuck up and stop hurting me. You want something. And because they have that power, you keep going back. You keep going back and you keep worrying more about mom's feelings than about your own feelings. You are protecting the very person who is the source of your abuse more than you are protecting yourself. You are, and by doing that, and I'm not saying this to be a jerk, I'm not blaming the victim, I'm trying to help you 
get healed so you're not the victim anymore. But every time that you choose your mother's feelings or your father's feelings or people who have hurt you, every time you choose their feelings over your feelings, you will, you are now shouting to the to the heavens. You are now shouting to the universe, I don't matter. Yeah. You are reinforcing the bullshit that they taught you. They taught you, you don't matter. You're trash. And now though, now that you're aware of that, now if you keep choosing that, it's you saying that. And so let me ask you, how does it feel to think of the notion that I am basically choosing to confirm that I don't matter? When you, cho when you choose your feelings over them, how does that make you feel that you're the one now saying I don't matter? I think, I, I think I've known that. I think I have known that my whole life. I think um, I grew up thinking, well, I don't matter. Nobody cares about me. So I'll just take care of everybody. And that will be the way that I get my needs met. You know, people will need me. That's love. And how has that worked out for you? It hasn't worked out. Right. We love it. We have to love on ourselves first and not get our love residually uh, through someone else. I mean, as I talk about in my book, that's a love camel who will give all this love. Just give me a little bit of love in return because I can go a long ways, just like a camel can go a long way by what's stored in the hump, the water, the fat, whatever. I can go a long ways on just a little bit of love. Just give me a little bit of love. I'll do everything for you, right? Then it doesn't work. That's just bad. It's a bad investment. Um, I want to ask you a strange question. Um, between dad and mom, who do you hate more? I think it's my mom. Why is that? Because with my dad, I feel like, you know, when he was abusive and things like that, it would stop as soon as he was done drinking. And then he would, you know, he'd switch to the nice side. But my mom was just mean all the time, like from morning to nighttime. And, you know, I remember growing up, I, I hated some of my siblings because I feel like she she prefers the men over the women in the family. And she says it all the time. She's like, oh, I love my boys. I love my boys. And so it's not that I hated them. I just hated the fact that, like, why? Like, why, why are we different? Why can't you love me too? And sometimes I'll have conversations with my siblings and they're like, no, mom isn't like that. But I'm understanding that a parent has different relationships with each kid. You know, it's not the same for everybody. And so I think my mom, my mom just with me specifically, she could just never be nice. Not even for a little bit. Yeah. Bella, we're going to come back. There's much more to come right after this short break. So I saw this foul mouth dude on TikTok thought, oh, another old guy spitting shit. But damn, by the end, I was hooked. He's spitting fire. Then I read his book. And it was like sitting down over beers with the deepest motherfucker ever. Love that book. There's a hole in my love cup. Respect the man deeply. And honestly, there's a hole in my love cup is one of the best books I've ever read. Thank you, Sven. Now back to more badass counseling with Sven. And we are back with Bella. We are looking at who did such crazy awful things to her and the feelings that she's had about herself as a result of how her mother treated her and how her father and family treated her. Bella, I couldn't help but notice uh, in your uh, write-up that you sent to us that you were saying about your um, present boyfriend that he gaslights you. There's no physical emotional connection or intimacy. He yells there's a reward system to satisfy his ego. He gives love in, a, uh, in sort of a reward system. He refuses to find equitable solutions and sees me as broken, damaged, and weak. And number six, he basically treats me like everything was perfect till I came along. And seven, he's had several previous failed relationships. What I found so fascinating about that list is it pairs up almost identically uh, with your parents. You, number one, he gaslights. Well, you said about your your mom and your dad are both narcissists. Well, what do narcissists do? They're extreme takers, and you're always at fault, and you're always the problem. And you said you were treated as the problem child, that you were the bad kid, and you were also told, suck it up, and... Um, 
you you had no voice and no support and so shame took over when you were sexually abused all of these things are derivatives of uh, gaslighting it's the same thing so you're treated by your family the same way you're now treated by him he he gave no physical emotional connection or intimacy and you said there was so much lack of love and physical touch in my home growing up you said he yells you said your parents language is screaming you said he used the reward system to satisfy ego you said your own parents used the reward system when it came to love. You said he refuses to find equitable solutions and sees me as broken, damaged, and weak. You said mom would control us to feel safe and we were never given the opportunity to be seen, heard, or express my feelings, all right? Identical. Um, you said uh, everything was perfect till I came along. Well, that sort of implied you being the middle kid, if she treats the other kids fine, then you come along and all of a sudden you're the fucking problem child. It's just like everything is fine with everyone else. I'm somehow the problem. And then you said he had several failed relationships and you said both of your parents came from basically failed families um, where they never got parental love. So everything that you're experiencing right now is basically precisely what you experienced in your childhood growing up. And so it's like, it's it's the exact same way you were treated. You chose the very thing. It's like the only form of life you know. It was completely normalized. And so you walk into a relationship. Well, you know how to deal with someone who gaslights and who yells and who you know withholds uh, affection and love and who uh, uses reward system. You know how to do that. You've been doing it your whole life. Isn't it interesting that those two things pair up almost identically, your family and how you're being treated now in your present relationship? Yeah, when you started comparing everything, I didn't realize how much, you know, how uncommon my parents are to my current relationship. And, you know, in the beginning, it wasn't like that. It changed to that when we moved in together. It was like a light switch. And I, I've i stayed in it because my kids are involved with him and it, I don't know how to let go. It's, it's hard for me to... Well, of course it's hard for you. It's hard to let go. I mean, it's exactly what we were talking about just a minute ago when we were talking about your mom. You haven't been able to let go of your mom. You're still hoping she'll change. You're still hoping she'll give you love. You're still hoping she'll criticize. You're still hoping for once in her fucking miserable life she would make it about you and actually give a shit about you. And you are still hoping that he will change. And you want to know why? In part, because when you find someone who gives you even two drops of love into your love cup, it feels so good because you've never really gotten love poured into your love cup at all. So the mere fact that someone is there, you're going to hold on. You're going to give up everything for that person because the mere fact that he's even in your life is a counter message to all the messages you've been getting your entire life. And the messages that you've been getting are, you don't matter, you suck, you're no good, and you're not wanted. So the mere fact that he's even here is a buffer between you and those voices. Because when he leaves, it's just confirmation. See, I suck. See, nobody wants me. See, I'm no good. So you hold on to someone who's fucking horrible to you. He treats you horribly, horribly. You would never let one of your children be treated by that way, that way by a lover, ever. I guarantee it. And so you're holding on to him because if he leaves, then you're, you truly are alone. You truly are alone. And if you kick your mother and your father out of your life, you truly are alone. If you stop pining for their love and stop giving them everything they want, you'll be alone. Yeah. 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 I have fear of being alone because I feel that things are going to happen to me. Well, and that makes total sense. Of course. And the bottom line is... Because you have that grand fear of being alone, not just because bad things are going to happen to me, which is huge, of course, but also because you have these voices inside of you saying, see, you suck. See, nobody wants to be with you. See, nobody wants you, right? And so between those two things, fear of bad things happening, and then all those voices rising up inside of you and churning and churning and churning in your head, you're holding on to people who are treating you horribly, Bella, and you don't deserve that. Nobody Nobody deserves that. And no one is required to keep anybody in their lives. And if your kids are involved, it's better. This is nothing good for your kids. I'm sorry, it's not. You want to know why? Because you are teaching your children that this is what love is. You are now normalizing your boyfriend's treatment of you. You are normalizing this for your kids. You're treating daughter, your daughter. Uh, do you have, wait, do you have a daughter? I have a daughter and a son. You are yes. teaching your daughter that this is what love is. You are teaching your daughter that this is how a woman should be. She should bend over backwards for a man or if she's you know gay for her lover and she should do everything and then she should eat shit in return. You are teaching your son 
that this is how, as a, as a man, this is how you treat a woman, or this is how you treat uh, a lover. You are teaching your children and they are watching. They are watching everything. And so if he yells at you, that's what you're, you are now normalizing that for your kids. If he doesn't give uh, attention or in, intimacy or connection or gaslights you, you are normalizing this for your kids. This is not good for your kids. Furthermore, at those ages, if they have you know you to talk to, and maybe if they have a counselor to talk to, they will get through the pain of losing someone they care about. But it's not just having people in their life. What they need is having healthy people who love them in their life. And what what you need is someone who is healthy and loves you. But that starts with you loving you because ain't nobody going to treat you well until you treat you well. I want to ask you a, a couple of questions here, and I know these are strange questions, sort of a different direction here, but I want to ask you, and listen closely if you would, what is the single, and we're going back to your mother here, what is the single biggest truth, has to be true, what is the single biggest truth you have never spoken to your mother about your mother, about who she is, what's the single biggest truth you've never spoken to her about her? Mm, I think... That she is a narcissist. Okay. An extreme taker. Okay, fair enough. That's her truth. Okay, let me ask you this. Earlier uh, when we were talking, you said that your mother is uh, 90% a bad parent. And in your mind, someone has to be at least 75 to 80% a good parent in order for you to consider them a good parent. And you're saying she is only 10% a good parent. So you are clearly saying that your mother is a bad parent. Yeah, she is. Have you ever said to your mother that she's a bad parent? I think I'm terrified too, because she would probably never speak to me again or hate me or get my siblings against me. And I am not saying you ever should say any of this, all right? Uh, There's never an expectation of action. I'm just asking the questions. And, And so you're saying she is a bad parent and you've never said it to me or you've never said it to her before and that's totally fine, nothing wrong with that. Um, anything else, any other truths that you've, big truths that you've never said to your mother about your mother? Yeah. Um, why doesn't she love herself? Because I believe she taught me that, how not to love yourself. And of those three that you listed, she's an extreme taker. Why doesn't she love herself? And she's a bad parent. Which is the biggest one? She's a bad parent. Okay. Second question, similar, but different. So stay with me here. What is the single biggest emotional truth about how you feel towards your mother? that you've never spoken to your mother. In other words, I feel this, or what's the feeling word? The single biggest truth of how you feel towards your mother that you've never spoken towards your mother. Mm, why doesn't she love me? Okay. Um, but technically that doesn't really answer the question. The question is how you feel towards her. I think sometimes I hate her. Um, and I'm scared to say that. Sometimes there's there's hate. Like, I want to say some mean things, but I'm so scared to just be like, oh, I, I hate you because I don't know. I don't want to. What's the meanest? What's the meanest thing you want to say to your mom? I hate you. I hate you made my life a living hell. Yeah. You made my life a living hell. Okay. And third question is this. If it was your desire to drive a dagger into your mother's heart and twist it, what is the single biggest truth you could speak that would hurt her the very most? I think that she was the worst person, like the worst parent. Like, Would that hurt her? Yeah. Yeah, anytime you threaten her parenthood, she gets very angry. Anytime that I brought up, that, you know, things happen to me and my, because I wasn't the only one son. It was a lot of my siblings that were also sexually abused. Um, and anytime I bring that to her, she'll she'll be like, well, I had to work. I had to do stuff. You know, you guys were going to starve if I wouldn't have done that. So she'll defend her parenthood. Her parent. And so she, okay, she defends her parenting and parenthood, even though she allowed you to be sexually abused. Uh, she screams, used a reward system, saw you as a possession, not a child, told you to suck it up. She was a narcissist. Uh, she gave you no support, especially when you were sexually abused and told you to basically get over it. She would control you in order to feel safe. And um, yeah, and she defends herself as a good parent. So in a way, let me ask you this. Which is worse for you, that she did all those things to you or that she actually 
sees herself as a good parent? I think that they're both equally the same because you, no matter what conversation you have with her, like there's times where I'm talking to her and she'll just, she'll like completely, like she'll kind of derail the conversation, you know? And I'll be like, mom, like, I'm telling you, this is serious stuff. Like things happen. And she'll be like, okay, okay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'll just completely ignore the question that I'm asking her. So I think she lives in a, in an unrealistic world sometimes. Right. And well, but also she can't bear to admit that she made mistakes. Her identity is sewn up in the belief that I'm a terrific mom and, or at the very least, she can't bear to endure any criticism of herself. So she has to undermine you, undermine your story and keep selling. No, I'm great. I'm great. I'm great. Or cut off your story because she can't handle it. So in other words, you keep eating shit, young lady so that I can feel good about myself. So yet again, we're seeing more evidence of your feelings don't matter, only hers matter. One last question then in regard to your mom, and that is, uh, what is the single biggest thing, and it doesn't have to be true, what is the single biggest thing you most wanna say to your mom? And you don't ever have to say it, I'm just wondering what it is. I think if um, I can say something to her, I wanna say, I wish that you can just for once look and see that there was a lot of pain in my childhood and that can you can just acknowledge me yeah you're still wanting something from her you're still wanting something from her you're wanting her to acknowledge you to acknowledge your past to accept who you are acknowledge you give you approval or at least stop hurting just once you are still wanting something from her and because of that she has power over you she has the power to withhold it and as long as she withholds it you're going to be fucking miserable You keep playing into her hand because you still want something. And your life, the day you realize that you're never going to get it and accept that is on one hand the single most painful day of your life, but it's also the single most liberating day because she no longer has power over you then. But you still want something. And no doubt if you did totally separate yourself from her, she would you know, alienate your family or try to turn the family against you, especially if she has all the fucking power in the relationship or in the family. So you run the risk of losing your family. And so fundamentally what the universe is asking you is how much do you matter to you At what point do you matter enough that you're willing to lose even your own family that has been controlling you your entire life? When are you willing to finally fucking stand up for yourself? This is the price. Do you want to live? Do you want your own life back? Do you want your own joy? And so my question to you is, Bella, do you want your own life back? And at what point are you willing to pay the price to do it? No, I I do want my own life. I do. Um, I think with the health issues that I'm having, it's a huge wake-up call. I was also in a previous car accident where I almost lost my life. And I think that that was my wake up call that if I would have died. And, and, and what if it, what if it means uh, losing some members of your family? What if it means your mother cutting you off or alienating you? And I'm not saying you have to say any of these things that we've talked about tonight, but you do have to stand up yourself. You have to fucking matter. And that means saying no to the people who are overrunning your life. That means saying no and no longer allowing people to control your life. At what point, Do you do that? Are you willing to pay the price if she cuts you off or if she cuts off family members and badmouths you to everyone? Is that a price you're willing to pay? And either you are or you aren't. No, I think I I am, yeah. And I would be the first person in the family to ever do this because no one has ever done that. Right. So it's a lot of pressure. Of course it is. She has all the power. So you are standing up to the ultimate power source and you're saying no. And basically what happens then is the power imbalance in your life changes. She no longer then has the power over you and you'll have to stick up to your guns and you'll have to learn ways. And this is what I talk about in my book and my podcast, learn ways of taking care of your own needs because you won't have her to meet your own needs. And it'd be very easy then to cling to the abusive boyfriend because, hey, if I'm gonna lose my family, I'm gonna lose the boyfriend. When and the truth is you need a full fucking cleaning house. They're all treating you like shit. And that's not okay. And yes, it, it, it will require healing and the slow road to healing and so forth, but keeping abusive and hurtful people in your life who diminish you and hurt you, it's not okay. I just want to ask you um, really briefly, what's the single biggest truth you never spoke to your father about your father? He wasn't there. Like he wasn't there to protect us. He was always drunk. Um, I think that's what I would want to tell him is why were you an alcoholic? Like why alcohol? Why did alcohol have to come first? And he wasn't there. And he wasn't there. Yeah. 
it, it, even though they were there in the house, it's like they weren't even there because the abuse happened under their noses while they were there. Well, and he would beat you and cuss at you and hit you and so forth on top of that. Um, so the biggest truth about your dad, I mean, obviously you already told me that he was a bad parent. He was 80% a bad parent. Is there any truth for you bigger than he was a bad parent? I think that maybe his trauma has been running his life because when he drinks, all he could talk about is his trauma, but never does anything about it. So sometimes I just want to tell him, why don't you do something about your life and stop ruining our lives? Mm. That's really interesting. In a way, it's the same message you got growing up. You want to basically tell him, suck it up, do the fucking work, you know, and stop ruining our lives. I just out of curiosity, um, what do your children think of their grandparents? It's very interesting because my daughter sees it. My daughter sees it. She's like, mom, there's, why does grandpa have to yell to talk to me? She's, she has a lot of emotional awareness for being only eight. Um, she also sees um, how my, our family doesn't function without me and that I'm the missing puzzle. So she, my daughter has actually told me that. She's like, well, like, mom... Your family can't do it without you. You're like that missing puzzle. And and so I guess my question is, do your children like their grandparents? No. Okay. They don't. They don't. All right. Mm -hmm. So then let me ask you this. When I asked you the question, the single biggest thing you could say to hurt your mom, and you said that she was the worst parent, which would hurt her more? Mom, you are the worst parent or your grandchildren don't like you? I think they're both equal. I think they're both equal. Yeah. No, they're definitely the parent would hurt her, but then the grandchildren will hurt her just as much. Because as grandparents, very often uh, you harbor the illusion, you like to believe that, you know, these grandkids are great and I love them and they love me and so on and so forth. But to know even they don't like you. It's like, that's powerful shit. And then uh, just the question, follow-up question on the dad thing. I had asked you, what's the single biggest truth? You've never spoken to your dad about your dad. And you said that, you know, he was a bad parent, trauma runs his life and he wasn't there. What's the single biggest truth that you feel towards your dad that you've never spoken to your dad? Um, I think that I hate him as well. And the single biggest thing that you most hate your father for is what? Um, that he would take all of his anger out on me. Mm. Just on how he would hit me, I knew that there was anger. He's taking his anger out on me. And last question is this. What is the single biggest truth you could speak that would drive the dagger into your father's heart and twist it? If it were your desire to hurt your father with maximum effect, what is the single biggest truth you could say that would hurt him the most? I wish that him and my mom weren't together. That would hurt him most? Yeah, I think so. And why do you most want to say that, just out of curiosity? They're so miserable together that they make us all miserable. Mm -hmm. Like, there's such unhappy people that they make everything and everyone around them unhappy. Wow. Wow. Um, what has it felt like to talk about this stuff with regard to your parents, uh, and then to also see how it's really the exact same stuff that you're experiencing in your relationship. How does it, what does it feel like for you to talk about these things and say these things and see these things regarding your parents? It's really, it's really hard, but it's an eye opener as you compare both. Um, I, I noticed that my partner does trigger me, um, you know, when he doesn't give intimacy or affection, it really affects me like severely where I want to cry or I break down or I think that something's wrong with me. So it's really hard to talk about it, but I feel like, you know, at the same time, I needed to hear a lot of this stuff. And, and it, and that I agree with you that it is hard to hear. And yes, it's good to hear this stuff because it's important to understand that in your love cup, uh, in yourself, all right, in yourself, in your soul, in your love cup, whatever. There are memories, and memories often have emotional charges attached to them. In other words, I experienced wiping out on my bike when I was eight, and I wasn't allowed to cry, and I still remember how sad I was and how angry at, I, at the other boys I was for laughing at me and so forth. All right, so that memory has emotional charges of anger and sadness, okay. And when our love cup is full of memories that are highly emotionally charged, then when you drop in 
some more pain or something that reminds me of one of those memories, all of those charges, all of those emotional charges, electrical charges start firing. That's what it is to be triggered. It means some new stimulus is coming into me and it's triggering the emotional electricity inside of me from all of those past ones. So in a way, the boyfriend isn't the problem. I mean, yeah, he is a fucking problem. Don't get me wrong, all right? Uh, but the problem in the triggering stuff that you talk about, it's that you still have stuff in there that is being triggered. See, if you took those memories out and decharged each one of them, then they're just memories. They're benign. They just sit there. They don't get triggered. So then if you get some new trauma dropped into your love cup, it's like, oh, I can deal with that because I'm just dealing with this one incident. And the truth is, if you actually do the work of taking your memories and decharging them, you're basically acknowledging that they weren't okay. You're acknowledging your own pain. You're saying, I matter. My feelings matter. And here's the real news for you, Bella. That five-year-old girl that was you, that 10-year-old girl that was you, that 13-year-old girl that was you, that was sexually abused and verbally and physically abused, and that five-year-old, seven-year-old, nine-year-old girl has been carrying a box that she had to keep wrapped up very, very tightly that she put all of her, stuffed all of her feelings into, her sadness, her rage, her anger, her hate, her sorrow, her self-loathing, all of it, she had to stuff it into that box because it wasn't safe for her to let her feelings out. Her feelings weren't allowed and she's been carrying that box. She's been carrying it for decade after decade after decade and now she's bringing it to you. She's saying, please open the box. I wasn't strong enough. Please, for me, please acknowledge what I felt. Please acknowledge what I went through because I couldn't and they wouldn't let me and the truth is, if you keep that box closed, you are re-victimizing that five-year-old girl that you were. You're saying, no, five-year-old, your feelings don't matter. You're gonna, giving her the exact same message that they gave her. But by you opening up that glorious box of pain and beginning to flush it out, and I have tools that, in my books and so forth, journaling and so forth, or in your counseling, whatever, but the more you begin to flush that out, you are finally, you are finally honoring that seven-year-old, that five-year-old, that nine-year-old. You are finally saying to her, you matter. Little girl, you matter. And if no one else ever said it, fuck them. I'm telling you, little girl, you matter. She's begging you to open the box. She's handing it off to you. And now you have a choice. Do I open the box and honor her? Or do I keep that box closed because I'm afraid of all the things that I'll feel? Do I keep it closed? and dishonor her and tell her, confirm to her and really confirm to myself at my age that I don't matter and my feelings don't matter. I think you see the importance of this and you've been talking about how you really, you're at a stage in life where you need to do it. And like I said, journaling is huge and flushing it out, writing letters. I would encourage you, if you were my client, I would encourage you, I would give you as homework. At the end of our session today, I would say, okay, before next session, I want you to write a letter to your mother with two caveats. One, you can never give it to her. You can't hit the send button, you can't put a stamp on it, nothing. And that means you don't have to edit it and say, oh, mom wouldn't like to hear this, or you know, whatever. I want you to write a letter to your mother that you can't give it to her, and the other caveat is you have to unleash all the feelings in that box that you have towards your mother. The love, the hate, the disappointment, the betrayal, the everything, and flush it all out in a letter, and then I, I tell you also, I want you to write a letter to your father. Same thing, can't give it to him. You gotta flush it out in the strongest, most violent, whatever powerful language you have, flush everything out in the letter to your father. And then I would encourage you to do the exact same thing with the man you're uh, seeing and flush everything out. And what you're gonna find is if you're, if you don't have a cup of coffee or have a glass of wine while you're doing it, and you're, if, you're, if you're really attacking it, going after it, you're gonna get into like a zone, almost like a trance where it's just flowing right out of you, just flowing. For the first time in your life, you're giving yourself permission to allow your feelings fully to come out. So there are many things you can do to heal this, Bella, um, and you, you deserve it. And I believe that you matter. I think you're a fantastic person who has gone through hell, but I also know you have a beautiful future ahead. And I think it's time to heal. And I think it's time to do the work of opening the box and starting to flush it all out. Does that seem to resonate with you? Yeah. 
Yeah, when you started to talk about the five-year-old, I felt it. All right. Yeah. Well, Bella, you've been a fantastic, fantastic, and so open and honest and real uh, guest. And I'm just so grateful uh, that you came on to the show. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sven. I love you. I love you too, Bella. And uh, thank you again for coming on to the show. And for those of you who have been listening into my conversation with Bella, thank you for joining us. I think we're all grateful to Bella for her candor and her big heart. And we all feel for her and really hope that she uh, brings herself the healing and the boundaries that she really needs. Thank you all for tuning in. And I hope you have a kick-ass day. The Badass Counseling Show is strictly copyrighted. No copies may be made without the express written consent of The Badass Counseling Show, LLC. The Badass Counseling Show is produced by Karen Camparelli and Robert H. Friedman. Executive producer, Sven Erlinson. Original music by two-time Emmy Award-winning composer, Trevor Morris. Have a kick-ass day.